Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 17 of the Box Hard Podcast, number 17 now, really climbing through the numbers. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, welcome to the show, and how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Unfortunately, listeners, we are not joined this week by Sophia Di Stefano. She unfortunately had other commitments. She couldn't be on this week's show. She'll be back next week, no problem. Um, we're going to keep it simple. As always, there's part one and part two. Part one being the review part where we review the fights from last week. We will also speak to James DeGale's trainer, Jimmy Mack Jr., of course, son of Jimmy Mack, Jim McDonald, of course. Um, and in part two, we will preview the fights coming up this weekend the Copper Box show, of course, and we'll be speaking to one of the guys on that bill, Ben Hall, which is a very nice interview. It's a very nice interview. He sort of talks a lot about his career thus far, a couple of other things, a couple of other fights, a couple of other fighters. It's very interesting, that one. Um, We're going to get straight down into it, Ayaz. I think we should start on the weekend with the big clash in America. What do you think? Let's talk about the Danny Garcia versus Robert Guerrero fight. Yeah, definitely. We're going to start with that one. Of course, there's nowhere else to really start. Um, Danny Garcia again. He he didn't start. He didn't start quick. You know, he's. I don't think he's a quick starter. I think Robert Guerrero racked up the first few rounds. To be honest, I think he was impressing me actually when the fight started. Um, me and you both said that we thought that Danny Garcia were good. Were going to win by knockout, but we were wrong. Uh, Robert Guerrero sort of done. You know, he done what he does. He roughs it up. Um, someone pointed something out on Twitter, how Robert Guerrero got to where he is by boxing. And I don't know why he's deciding to neglect all of his boxing skills and just turn every fight into a brawl these days. Um, I, I think I sort of agree with that, to be totally honest. He's trying to turn these fights into a brawl. I don't think Danny Garcia is a fantastic boxer. He's a good boxer, but I don't think he's a fantastic boxer. I think he relies a lot on the big punches and, of course, that monstrous left hook. Um, He didn't look very good, Danny Garcia, I must admit. A lot of guys were in the house ringside. Um, Of course, Amir Khan, Amir Khan's wife, Floyd Mayweather, countless others. Uh, James DeGale was in attendance. And also, I think Eddie Murphy was there as well. Really strange. Um, Of course... Danny Garcia now 32-0, and 0, unbeaten, and Robert Guerrero 33 wins, four losses, and one draw. This, again, was, of course, for the vacant WBC World Welterweight title, the one that has been relinquished by Floyd Mayweather. So Danny Garcia picks up another world title. Um, on the undercard, again, I would just say that that was unanimous decision in favour of Danny Garcia. On the undercard, Sammy Vasquez for Aaron Martinez. Sammy Vasquez moved to 21-0. and 0. Aaron Martinez retired at the end of round six. Um, Martinez injured his left arm and he didn't come out. It was very strange because they only televised three fights live. I was watching this on Box Nation. They only televised three fights. Of course, it was the two fights before the main event. So the Sammy Vasquez fight, his opponent retired. And then, you know, underneath that one, the first fight on the night was Dominic Brazil, the heavyweight, unbeaten in 16 contests. He fought 
Amir Mansour. And Mansour, he retired after five rounds. It didn't really look like there was something straight away obviously wrong with him. Brazil was actually down in round three and Mansour didn't come out for round six. I still, I'm not too sure what happened. I think he may have fractured something. I'm not too sure. But Dominic Brazil, who looked to be in quite a lot of trouble by Amir Mansour, he now picks up a win. So 17-0 and 0 for Dominic Brazil. A lot of people were just a bit disappointed. Two of the undercard fights, both of the fighters seeming to go back in the corner and just not come out you know, for the next round, it was pretty strange. It's, you know, a lot of people didn't like that. Um, Dominic Brazil, again, he didn't look very impressive. Amir Mansour didn't look very impressive in the fifth round because it was only scheduled for 10. But by round five, they were both absolutely gassed to hell. They were so gone. They, you know, it makes you wonder how brilliant they are because, you know, if they were, were in there with someone, some other stiff tests in America, of course, Eddie Chambers, someone like that, I, you know, I'm with Eddie Chambers confidently on fights like that, or anyone to be totally honest, not just Eddie Chambers. They just didn't look very good. And Amir Monsu, I think he's 43 or something like that. You know, Dominic Brazil shouldn't shouldn't be having life and death with someone who's 43. Yeah, that's really it for the Staples Center. That's really it for that card in Los Angeles. Where do where do we see Danny Garcia go from here? I ask because he just seems to have a few fights where. He's just not impressing, to be totally honest. I mean, I'm not really on that hype train. I'm really not. What sort of fights do you see Danny Garcia in? I know that uh, Amir Khan is now the mandatory for that title, I believe. Is that a fight you think is going to happen? See, I'm not quite sure. I know we know that Amir Khan is a WBC mandatory challenger for Danny Garcia's title. But hasn't Angel Garcia said we don't want to take that rematch already? To be honest, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. Because he's been saying that a lot right here about not f- and that they don't want to fight Khan and they want to fight other people. Now, if Danny Garcia is if Danny Garcia is going to fight another fight, who's there to fight? Uh, unification with Kell Brook. Well, yeah, you know, um, this is it, you know, because if if Danny Garcia decides, and in fact, I do, it does ring a bell actually. Uh, Angel Garcia, of course, the dad and trainer of Danny Garcia, he said, no, we're not giving Khan a rematch. No, we're not giving. Uh, Maurizio Herrera a rematch we're not we're not going to be doing that we're moving on we don't believe in rematches we're moving on to bigger and better things so that's you know that's that's interesting we can't moan at that we do want to see Danny Garcia in these bigger and better fights if you like I'm not saying that those fights aren't bigger and better fights I'm just saying we do want to see him in there with some tough opposition because to be honest in my opinion he's lost one or two of his fights um, and he's been very lucky to keep his O and stay unbeaten Um, if he if he doesn't fight Amir Khan and Amir Khan's left without that opponent, where does Amir, Amir Khan go? I saw an interview with Eddie Hearn this week where he was explaining, look, at the end of the day, Danny Garcia fights Amir Khan. Amir Khan's going to make this much money. If he fights Kell Brook, he's going to make double that money. And also, Danny Garcia, that fight's obviously going to take place in America. Danny Garcia might decide that he's not even going to give Amir Khan you know, half of what we're going to give him for, for fighting Kell Brook. And plus, he's already lost to him. He's already been knocked out by him. And it just sort of, the way he says it, and he's got a real way with words, Eddie Hearn, but the way he says it, it's, it's almost like, what's wrong with the Khan team? You know, they should be taking this fight. But of course, I know that's a fight that you're eager, eager to see, Ayaz. That's one fight I really want to see. Now, the thing is, in my opinion, I reckon Khan is going to chase that Danny Garcia fight. And yeah. I, I reckon he's going to try to win that WBC belt and then fight uh, Kelbrook for a unification. 
and then do a Battle of Britain. Yeah, I know that he's, um, again, he's demanding from what I'm being told. I'm not, you know, I don't really know the ins and outs, but apparently he's demanding, you know, all this, all this money and this share of the, uh, of the, of the split. And again, Kel Brook, he's the world champion. Amir Khan's the bigger name and Amir Khan, you know, he wants, he wants X amount of the split. And, and I think that the, the Eddie Hearn and the team are prepared to give him a higher split, but I just don't think they want to give it as high as what Khan, you know, wants, wants basically. We're going to, we're going to leave that, that big discussion there. We're going to move over to just one fight that took place in Samoa. Joseph Parker topped the bill. He fought Jason Bergman. Joseph Parker picked up the TKO in round eight. He now moves to 18 and 0. His opponent, Jason Bergman, was down in the second round, down in the seventh round, and down in the eighth round. After the fight, Joseph Parker has also now called out Anthony Joshua. That's a fight that apparently we could see happen at the back end of this year, I believe. That would be really interesting. I do love two prospects getting together and one of them coming out victorious and one of them losing their row. That is, I'd, I'd like to see that. Not not all the, all the time in the country because I want our countrymen, our country boxers to do well. That's what I like. I'm not really a great fan of Anthony Joshua versus Dillian White. One of them's going to, you know, go down in the in the in the dumps and the other one's going to go straight to the top i don't really like pitting them against each other if they're both from great britain i want the great britain boxers to do well but when it's a different country joseph parker of course not a brit i like to see those type of fights and if parker can beat joshua then you know absolutely fantastic for him i'm a big fan of parker but i like those type of fights it's really good a real good cross you know crossways type of fight that should be interesting if that does happen. I really do hope so. And now we're going to move over, of course, to York Hall. There was a show over there. Ryan Walsh, he moved to 20 wins, his 20th career win. One draw and one loss. He picked up a TKO in round five over Darren Trainer. Darren Trainer was unbeaten. His new record, 11 wins and one loss. That one loss to Ryan Walsh. Trainer. He was cut above the right eye in the third round. Uh, he was down prior to the stoppage as well. Armit Patterson, again, he's he's really r- racking up some wins at the moment. He moves to 17-0. and 0. He picked up a TKO in the sixth round. Uh, Ryan Aston, his opponent. And this was also for the vacant IBF International Super Welterweight title. So that's a new, uh, a new belt held by... Armit Patterson. Aston was down once in the fifth round and twice in the sixth. Uh, Louis Petit was also on the bill. He picked up his 18th professional win. His new record now 18 and 2 with a TKO in four rounds. I think that's really it. I think that's really it because there wasn't much that went on uh, this week, to be totally honest. We're going to move over to a little couple of bits of news that we're going to bring you. Oh, yes, bring us the news for this week. This week's news, Joseph Parker has called out Anthony Joshua for a big fight. Yeah, absolutely. Something I, I touched on a minute ago. But um, yeah, sorry. Thanks for reminding me of that. And, and, and is there any other news? Yeah, Martin Murray is keen to set up a um, domestic clash with uh, world super middleweight challenger George Groves. Yeah, that will be interesting. I would like to see that. A decent. Uh, that's a really good fight, actually. That's a really good fight. Both guys have come very close to winning a world title, especially in Martin Murray's case. To be totally honest, he has. He's been really close. He's had four world title shots. All of them come up short. George Groves, three world title shots. All of them come up short. So that should be really good. And the winner, 
possibly fights, you know, gets another chance. Could you imagine if Martin Murray got a fifth world title shot? It would just be crazy. But yeah, good luck to both boys. It'd be a shame again for one of those to lose, but that's the game that we're in. And it should be interesting if that does get made. That's that's a big if. Is there any more news or is that it, Ayaz? Also, David Hayes' comeback will continue on March 21st at London O2 Arena, but there's no opponent yet to be confirmed. Right, yeah, that's right. Tickets went on sale today, O2 priority customers only. I think that they're on general sale tomorrow, maybe the next day. I'm not too sure. Don't hold me to that. But yeah, no opponent been announced, but I can already see that people are buying ringside tickets. I think ringside tickets that are available on O2 priority are maximum £400, but I believe they go up to £1,200 for some of the ringside seats. So, oof. It just goes to show, again, the pulling power of David Hay. He hasn't even announced his opponent, and he's already selling tickets for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, and in some case, thousands. So massive things for David Hay. And the last piece of news I'm going to bring you before we bring on our first guest and wrap up part one is Barry Jones, the former WBO super featherweight champion of the world, has had a baby boy. So very, very massive congratulations to Barry Jones on that. I've already sent him a WhatsApp text, but again, I thought I'd say it on the show. Okay, we're now going to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome trainer of James DeGale, Mr. Jimmy Mac Jr. Oh, mate, thanks for having me on. No problem, no problem. Now, just for those that sort of, you know, you've just sort of broke on the scene big time. For those people that aren't too sure what fighters you look after, could you just tell us the names that you're looking after right now? Yeah, I, uh, I work with my dad and uh, we've got fighters, obviously, uh, James DeGale's top of the tree and we've got we've got a few other young boys coming through now. We've got Jake Ball, Reese Bellotti, Louis Adolfi and uh, Kirk Garvey on our books at the moment and uh, there'll be a few more joining soon too. Okay, I want to start with a couple of fighters that are on the bill this weekend. Of course, you, you know, you've you got, I think, is it two fighters on this bill? Yeah, we've got two fighters on this weekend. The, fight, like the fights are being shown live on Sky. We've got Absolutely. Reese Bellotti's having his first eight-rounder. Um, and we've got Louis Adolfi making his matchroom debut over four rounds. Absolutely. Now, I know that Adolfi's in there with um, William Warburton. Um, yeah. William Warburton, we've seen him sort of, he's, he's very, very awkward. We see him beat um, Georgie Keane, the Frank Warren prospect. I think it was 2014, early 2014. So this is a pretty yeah. tough test for Adolfi, actually. I know he's just, he's only three fights into his <laughs> career. But um, how do you see this one going for him? Of course, it's only, it's only a four-rounder. But, you know, William Warburton's definitely someone you can't really look over. Yeah, William Warburton, he's, he's, he's tricky, he's very tall, very gangly, and um, he, can pose, he can pose problems like if you let him, uh, he springs a few upsets in, but the way Louis's been training, the way he's been looking and that, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that um, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll look good on Saturday and uh, yeah, get his, um, get his matchroom uh, career up and running. And uh, yeah, I'm, he's just really looking forward to boxing. He's, it's been a long time since his last fight. So, um, yeah, he's just, uh, he's raring to go. He really is. Now I'm going to move over to Reese Bellotti again. As you said, he's in his first eight rounder. Um, yeah. Four fights, four wins, three by knockout. Um, out of all the prospects you're looking after at the start of the show, you, yeah. you named them. There's, you've got quite a lot of prospects. Would you say Reese Bellotti's shining the brightest at this, at this moment in time? Um, well, he's had, 
out of out of the young crop coming through, he's um I think he's one or two fights ahead of the others. Um so he's um he's he is he is paving the way at the moment. He's looking really good and for a featherweight he really, really punches hard. So um yeah, he's just he's he's gonna be an handful for for anyone in the nine star division in, in Britain. Like and right now it's a shame really because he was supposed to be fighting um Di Davis from, from Wales who's a who's a who's a good fighter. He's had over thirty thirty professional fights and um yeah he would have he would have it would have been it'd have gone a few rounds but um yeah just everything he hits he 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 destroys. <laughs> he really can bang. And also I wanna talk a little bit about Jake Ball. Uh, Jake Ball three fights, three wins, all three <laughs> by knockout. Where yeah. when are we gonna look to see him him out next? When will he when will he next be out fighting? Jake Ball will be boxing on March the fifth in Birmingham on the undercard of the Bradley Ski and Sam Eggington show, uh, which will also be live on Sky. So yeah, he's um, he's got his last six rounder and uh, in Birmingham, and then I think the one after that he'll be moving to a uh, to eight rounds as well. So uh, yeah, he's he's in the gym training. Excellent stuff. Um, I also just wanted to touch on Kirk Garvey. Now Kirk Garvey three wins in three contests. So all of yeah. your prospects coming through all unbeaten at the moment. Ironically enough, yeah. the only fighter that you look after with a loss on his record is is the world champion James DeGale. Would we call it a loss? We call it a decision. <laughs> I want to talk about James. Uh, sorry, I want to just mention something about Kirk Garvey. When will we likely yeah. see him out again? I know that, um, of course, he's six foot three, light heavy. He's yeah. he's, he's very tall for his weight. Will we see yeah, him stick old, around the lump? Will we see him stick yeah. at light heavy for a while, or will he be moving up to cruiser? Nah, he'll he'll be he'll be campaigning at light heavyweight. He's a uh, he's big for the weight. He is big, but he's um he's just funny enough. We've got nothing lined up at the moment for Kirk. We're just waiting to um to get something like rubber stamps. We're just trying to get him up and running. But once he once he gets a bit of activity, I'm sure yeah, like he'll be a force in the light heavyweight division as well. But nah, he's um he's a true light heavyweight. Excellent stuff. It's it's a really good thing that all the all these youngsters coming through that you look after are all getting exposure, sort of thing. Finally on Sky Sports, so that's really good for all of them. Um, oh yeah, it's massive. I just wanted to move over now to James DeGale. I wanted to talk a few yeah. things about him. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, in your father's career, uh, obviously you train alongside your father and you bring these fighters through. Yeah. In your father's career, the only thing he seemed to not do was win a world title. He got so close, but he just yeah, couldn't know, capture yeah. it. And because of his really yeah. close-knit relationship with James DeGale, watching, watching James DeGale capture the world title, it was almost like your father, Jim, doing it through doing it through DeGale. So how much did that mean yeah. just to, to yourself and, and the whole camp? Oh, it was absolutely massive to go, obviously... When James became mandatory challenger for the world title, Carl Foch was the champion at the time, and um, obviously that fight never materialised. And in the end, like we thought, we was under the illusion that the fight was going to be in London. Um, obviously, that that wasn't the case. Like we had to go to America. So for one, you 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 feel like you're up against it when you're going to America, and two, to go and fight a fight like Andre Durrell in his own backyard, you've got to think like anything close. You know, like are we going to get it? But, you know, he went out there. James was absolutely buzzing that he was out there. He, like, he was thriving in it. And, um, yeah, he obviously went out there, won a unanimous decision uh, convincingly. And, um, yeah, it was it was just probably off. 
it was the most, it was the, the best night of my life so far. Like, and I think for my dad, I think, yeah, it was his proudest night so far in boxing as well. It, it really did mean the world. It was un- unbelievable. What did you think when, when, when James DeGale threw that that overhand punch that took Darrell, you know, knocked Darrell down in the second round? What was going through your head at that point? Oh, I just, I was just thinking, please, just don't get up, <laughs> stay down. <laughs> But you know, full full credit to him. He 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 managed to get himself up and get through the round because he got he, he got put down again. And when I when he walked back to his corner, I thought, nah, I thought this is over here. Like, so, and but but credit to him, it just shows you the, the shape he was in to, to to get up and and to carry on boxing. Um, yeah, full credit to him. It was unbelievable. And I just wanted to also sort of mention because, like I say, you sort of have burst on the scene all recently. How long have you been? watching you know how long have you been in the gym watching picking up knowledge from your old man to now sort of you know be able to sort of emulate what he does and do your own thing yeah. almost i um i remember being in the gym like when i was a kid like i, I, I remember getting up there like even with my dad had the likes of danny williams and takaloo and all them boys like back in the day and i was only young like they, they used to train at the cronk over in north london and uh, I just remember used to sitting on the side of the ring, like the like the, the apron, whatever. And I used to just watch, like, yeah. And then, I don't know, like, as obviously as you get older or whatever, you just, like, you know, like most, 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 like, boys sort of going to work with their dad. Like, if my dad was a builder, I'd have probably been a bricklayer. But as he was, you know, a, a trainer, I just sort of, you know, like, got, got more involved and yeah like and then yeah this is what I want to do I want to be involved in like professional boxing and yeah that was really the start of it really and now like yeah like I work with him like day in day out absolutely just one thing I wanted to touch on about James DeGale um I want to ask this question uh pretty straightforwardly a lot of people sort of say that in the second half of the fight he takes his foot off maybe he gasses a little bit what, what can we say about that? Because I know his conditioning is good. I know that he's. Does he train in a in an oxygen chamber sometimes? Yeah, he's, he tries. He trains at high altitude. I would. I would. Uh, fights. Um, they say he took his 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 foot off the gas in with the with the Durrell fight. Even in the corner, he was saying like, you know, like I've, I won the first round. I've knocked him down twice in the second round. I'm like four points up going into the third round. Then he won the third, fourth, and fifth. So in even in the corner, he's he, like he's got such a an amazing like you know boxing brain. He said I'm absolutely skating this at the moment. So without even he, sh- he shouldn't do it really, but he's that good. He can have rounds off at world level, and even in the boot a fight, he come out first three rounds like like an absolute lunatic. Said he picked up a cut. I think it was the fourth round, fourth or fifth round, and um, he sort of like changed tactics a bit. He he sort of he he boxed. And um, even when I've listened back to it on the telly and stuff, I don't think the commentary done him no favours. Showtime no. in America made, made him win by, by, by six rounds. And our panel had it a draw. And then the official scorecards, two was by six and one was by four. So when you look at it like that, it's sort of a one-sided fight. But no, in, it, he's in real, real good condition, I can assure you. He, um, he gets absolutely beasted. And obviously... I've seen, you know, 15, 15 rounds in the gym, like, no problem, like, not even blowing. He's just, he's a, he's a supreme athlete, he really is. And, of course, we've seen him, you know, fight in America, 
for the for the vacant title. Then we've seen him on the road again in Montreal. Oh no, sorry, not Montreal in Quebec, Canada. In Quebec, yeah. Um, will we see him on the road in his next fight, or is it likely to be back over here? Um, my honest answer is I don't know. Um, I really don't know what's happening. I know the IBF has enforced his mandatory, and I know he has to um, he has to obligate that. I think, but as to where it's going to be, I have no idea. Um, whether that will be his next fight, like well, they they've ordered it, but I don't know how soon they're going to order it for or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm I'm sure we will we will see him back on UK shores definitely. And another thing I wanted to say. Of course, as you said earlier, as we touched on the George Groves decision, I'm, I'm going to call it decision that he got yeah. in his favour over James. Um, yeah. Is that a fight that Team DeGaulle is still interested in? Because since that fight, it seems that George Groves, of course, he was at the top of, of British boxing whilst he was in, in the same bracket as Carl Froch twice. Yeah. You know, the first one very unjustly, but again... His, yeah. his credibility sort of fallen a little bit, especially after losing to Badu Jack. At the moment, I think that, uh, in my opinion anyway, the Gow's stock has risen and Grove's stock has kind of gone gone down. Is that still a yeah. fight that, that James DeGaulle wants? Well, when when the decision went to, to George Groves that night, um, it was it was obviously very down because it was like a it was a big you know sort of like fire it was a lot on the line more bragging rights more than anything because they was obviously from the same club and stuff but I always knew and I think everyone always knew in the camp that we knew what James was going to go on to achieve and it was you know in the amateurs like the same thing he went on and won an Olympic gold medal and even now in the pros he's gone on and won a professional world title he's the first and only fighter from this country to do it Um, George Groves the fight would always be a big fight but right now it, it's all down to George Groves. George Groves has to put a few wins together, obviously. And if he can win a win a win a version of a world title, then obviously that's a massive, massive down the line. Um, right now, um, I don't think the fight really means anything because there's bigger fights out there, i.e., Badu Jack. There's been talks of Chavez. You know, these are big, big, big fights. Um, but. No, he's, he can he can he can come back again. I'm I'm looking forward to watching him on the weekend, Groves. I'm, uh, yeah, to see to see to see how he, he comes back. But um, yeah, I mean, only only he knows, like in his head, like you know, whether he he, he believes he's going to come back and win a world title. But he's, he seems like you know a mentally strong kid. So yeah, we just have to wait and see. But the fight will always be big. But right now, it just make, doesn't make you know sense. But who knows? And the last thing I'm going to ask you before I let you go, ideally, who would you like to see? Forget about the mandatory for a moment, just in a fantasy world. Who would you like to see James DeGaulle in with in his next in his next two fights? I'll say. In his next two fights, I would like James DeGaulle to box Badu Jack to unify the division to unify the WBC and the IBF, and then I would like him to box. Yeah, probably Shad is a big name. You know, uh, if he was still about, like, back in the day, like, you know, when he had the belt, I think the Cole Frotch fight would have been a fight. But, yeah, right now on current current fighters, I, I would pick Badu Jack first, then Shadow second. Okay, brilliant. Not really giving him any easy touches there. <laughs> That's it. He's never done it easy anyway, as he's always done it on the road. 
<laughs> Brilliant. Excellent. Okay, Jimmy. Well, I'm going to say um, I wish you the best of luck for Saturday, of course. I hope that your your prospects remain unbeaten. I'm sure that they will do. And um, yep. hopefully we speak to you soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you. No problem. Take care. Thanks, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two. This part, of course, is called the preview part. We're going to preview the fights. Again, there's a few fights on this weekend. There's not many, if I'm being totally, totally honest. There's a card in Canada. There's a card that we're going to mention in China. And, of course, there's a card over here. So there's three cards that we're going to mention. We're just going to sort of whiz through this, and then we're going to bring on our second guest, of course. We're going to start with the clash in China. There's just one fight I want to mention. Zhu Shiming, he's out again. Of course, Zhu Shiming, six wins and one loss. He fights for the vacant WBO international flyweight title. He faces Natan Santana Coutinho, a boxer I don't know much about, if I'm being totally honest, but he's got a record of 12 wins, no losses, no draws, so 12 wins unbeaten. So that should be a decent clash for Zhu Shiming. Uh, we're going to move over now to Canada, to Montreal, Quebec. Um, Sergei Kovalev. He faces Jean Pascal in the rematch. That's at the top of the bill. That'll be interesting. Of course, that's for the IBF world title, the WBA Super World Light Heavyweight title, and of course, the WBO World Light Heavyweight title. Uh, Kovalev made pretty easy work, in my opinion, of Pascal in the first fight. Um, Kovalev, of course, 28 wins, one draw. Jean Pascal, 30 wins, three losses and one draw. How do you see this fight playing out, Ayaz? I see, I see Kovalev knocking Pascal out. In my opinion, yeah, I I, I think so too. Uh, there's a lot of fights that sort of happen, and then you see you see it end, and then they, you know, you, everyone wants a rematch. This is everyone wants to see a rematch. This is not one of those fights in my in my opinion. He fought him in 2015. He's now fighting him in 2016. Uh, it was a it was an eighth round TKO when they faced each other before. I I personally don't think this is you know this was a fight that we wanted to see a rematch of. I think. Pascal, to be totally honest, he's a great fighter, by the way. I think his best days are behind him. He's got one win since the loss to Kovalev, the knockout loss to Kovalev. Uh, that was a fight which was very, very close. He fought a guy called Unieski Gonzalez, and he literally won the fight on all three judges' scorecards, 96-94, right? So if they would have given... So, and it was only a 10-rounder, of course. So basically, he won six rounds, the other guy won four rounds. So if, if a couple of those judges gave it one round to the other guy, it would have been a draw, okay? So not a very impressive fight. And that Unieski Gonzalez, who he fought, he's lost since then as well. He's basically, his record now is 16, uh, 16 wins and two losses. So again, not much. I don't know much about him, I'll be totally honest with you, but he's... You know, he hasn't looked very impressive in that fight, to be honest, John Pascal. So to get knocked out by Kovalev, then fight a guy and not really look impressive and just win it by, but you know, by a couple of rounds and then jump straight back in there with Kovalev, who, again, since that fight with John Pascal, he's picked up another knockout, which was in the third round. He put his guy down in round two and round three. That was Najib Mohammadi. Um, this is another easy win for me, to be totally honest, for Pascal. Um uh, sorry, for Kovalev, of course. And I think that Kovalev will probably take him out earlier than the eighth round this time, in my opinion. Ayaz, what do you think about that? Earlier than the eighth round or not? Seventh round, in my opinion. Seventh round, okay. Interesting. I'm going to go with round five. You go with round seven. We'll see who gets closer. Watch when it's round six. Mm -hmm. We'll see who get who goes closer next week. Um, 
yeah, so another another win I think that's going to be for Kovalev. But the real fight we want to see is Kovalev against Adonis Stevenson, don't we, Ayaz? How much of an absolute super fight would that be? That would be a brilliant fight. But another fight we would like to see is Andre Ward versus Sergei Kovalev. Yeah, again, that would be good. That would be good. That would be good. That would be good. We could sit here all day talking about that. In my opinion, oh, that would be such a good fight. I'm not even going to give my opinion. We're going to move straight over to the undercard. Joel Diaz Jr., 20-0, and 0, I believe with 16 knockouts. Uh, he's facing Abraham Gomez. Abraham Gomez, 22 wins, 11 losses, one draw. This should be another uh, look good fight for Joel Diaz Jr. And Joel Diaz Jr. is nothing to do with the trainer, Joel Diaz. Nothing to do with him at all. He's just another fighter doing his thing from America. And it's a good opportunity for him. So we wish him the best of luck. That's in the super featherweight division. It's only an eight rounder. And moving over now to the big card over here. There's a there's a few fights on this bill, if I'm totally honest. There's a few good fights. John Ryder on the bill, of course. We're going to start with his fight against Sergei Kamitsky. Sergei Kamitsky, somebody that you know, knocked out Frank Bullioni, somebody that knocked out Adam Etches. He really does carry a big punch. His record's not fantastic looking when you look at it on paper, but fights aren't full on paper. Sergei Kamitsky, 30 wins, 12 losses, three draws. John Ryder, 21 wins and two losses. This is for the vacant WBA international middleweight title. John Ryder, it's, it's a really tough fight, this fight. I know that we've seen John Ryder in a few wars lately. Apparently, he's looking really good in the gym at the moment. How do you see this one going, Ayaz? Because Sergei Kamitsky's come over here and knocked out two of our prospects, really. Well, this is a 50-50 fight, and this is a make-or-break make fight for John Ryder now, in my opinion. So, I'm really, in my opinion, as it's as in London, I'm going to go for a John Ryder win. I really hope so. I really do hope so. I know that John Ryder's a good guy and I wish him all the best for this. But again, very, very dangerous opponent in Sergei Kamitsky. He loves coming over here and knocking out our boys. Uh, moving down that card, of course, we spoke to him last week. He was on our show. Tommy Martin, 13-0. and 0. He faces John Wayne Hibbert. John Wayne Hibbert is the champion, so I should have said that the other way around. But John Wayne Hibbert, 16 wins and three losses. This is for the Commonwealth Super lightweight title of course that title is also known as the 140 title uh, this should be a really good fight we've seen John Wayne Hibbert face off against the likes of Dave Ryan and he really can go down in the trenches and have a complete out and out war we haven't seen that thus far from Tommy Martin it doesn't mean that he doesn't have it in his arsenal in the in the bookies Tommy Martin is the favorite in this fight although John Wayne Hibbert is the champion. So this this one should be really, really interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And of course, the big fight on the bill, the return of the Saint, George Gross. He's back after his loss to Badu Jack. He faces Andrea Di Luisa. George Gross, 21 wins, three losses. Andrea Di Luisa, 18 wins and three losses. This is someone who we cannot overlook here, Ayaz, because... Andre De Luiz has actually got a decent resume himself. He's only lost to the top guys in the division. What do you think that the Saint has got to offer us now? Now after you know after losing three three title fights, really in the last year or so, couple of years. I reckon uh, obviously George goes back, but now he's got a new trainer, uh, Shane McGuigan, who he's training the likes of David Hay and IBF Carl, uh, champion uh, Carl Fram Frampton. So I reckon, in my opinion, we're going to see a new George Groves in this fight. 
Yeah, his opponent, as I say, Andre Di, Andrea De Luisa, he lost in August of 2015. He got TKO'd in the fourth round by Lucian Boutet. Uh, in 2012, he lost to Christopher Abras, who again we saw George Groves beat on a it was it was 12 rounds that fight and um Andrea Di Luisa he lost he retired at the end of the seventh round to Rebras and also he picked up another loss in 2011 that was to Mohamed Ali Ndaye this was for the vacant EBU European super middleweight title so um yeah he has lost some he's lost in tough fights basically and from his 18 wins he's picked up 14 knockouts so this should be quite a shootout you know um of course we know that George Groves is a big puncher as well and it'll be interesting seeing him under Shane McGuigan of course we know that since he sort of teamed up with Paddy Fitzpatrick he well I don't want to say he didn't he didn't really show any power because remember he knocked Froch down in the first round of their fight then he got knocked out then he fought Rebrasse he didn't knock him down he was a tough guy a really tough guy who came to win of course he knocked out Dennis Duglin, and then he lost to Badu Jack, and now he's got this fight. So it'll be interesting to see. And of course, George Groves, 21 wins, 16 of those wins by knockout. So two big punches in there. It should be quite interesting whilst it lasts. Um, we're now going to move over to the other fights on that undercard. We already mentioned two of them. I just want to go down to Martin Ward. Martin Ward faces Mario Pisanti. This is for the WBC International Super Featherweight title. Martin Ward, 12 wins and two draws. Mario Pisanti, 16 wins, two losses and one draw. That should be a decent fight. Also on that bill, Leon McKenzie, of course, the footballer turned boxer. He's at the moment, he's at seven wins, zero losses and one draw. He looks to pick up his eighth win. He faces Kelvin Young, who's vastly experienced, to be totally honest. 17 wins, four losses and two draws. Reese Bellotti also on the card. He looks to move to five and oh. He faces a guy called Elvis Gwillen. That'd be interesting. O'Hara Davies also on the bill. He looks to pick up his 10th professional win. He faces a guy called Prince Ofotsu. Uh, Ted Cheeseman, he's also on the bill. He's only in his third outing. He looks to move to 3-0, of course. Dion Juma, he's over here now. I believe this is his first fight in Britain. Despite being British, this is his first fight on our shores. He looks to move to 8-0. It's just a little six-rounder in the light heavyweight division. Louis Adolphe's also on the bill. He looks to move to 4-0. Lucia Reed and of course Craig Richards is also on the bill so a lot to look forward to on that Saturday night I has not just the not just the George Gross fight there's a few decent trade fights on the undercard there well I can't I just want to I just want to see the George Gross I, just, I want to see the card yeah the Sergei Komitsky versus John Ryder but I'm more I want to be more paying attention to the George Gross fight just want to see how he how he looks as a new fighter with his new trainer Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm also looking to see Dion Juma. We haven't really seen anything of him on TV, I don't believe. It'd be interesting. Again, he's someone, he's one of our Brits that is signed with the Sauerlands. He's fought in Germany, I think, two or three times. And he's fought in Denmark, I think, maybe three or four times. And for the first time, he's on the bill in in Britain, of course. So that should be interesting. Was there any other news at all that, that you had for us, Ayas? Because I think there was one thing that you forgot. Yeah. Brandon Rios actually uh, split up with his trainer, Robert Garcia, today. I yeah, was... right. That's right. Yeah, I think it was just late last night. We got wind of it over here. Um, 
I am someone that has watched a lot of videos on Brandon Rios, and I know that Brandon Rios had an absolutely close-knit relationship with Robert Garcia. Um, they they were literally like best friends. They were like father and son. They got on like a house on fire. So I really don't know what's gone on for this to happen. Apparently, they're still friends, but they've just decided to part ways. It'll be interesting. It will be interesting. Um, if you ever watch any videos, Ellie Setback, give credit to him. He's all he's doing a lot of videos in their gym and you can see in the gym how much of a great atmosphere there is in there but there's a lot of joking laughing and joking going on in that gym and I always sort of look at it and think how much work do they really get done they're always sitting down and busting jokes I'm not knocking Robert Garcia because I think Robert Garcia the way he conducts his his gym and his fighters it really is good you know he's got a lot of good fighters he's had the likes of Manito Donaire, Maidana, Brandon Rios as we said he had a little spell with the guy who Lee Selby beat Evgeny Gradovich he's worked with Mike Perez the heavyweight he's done a lot of he's helped a lot of fighters come through so I think he's a really good trainer I mean maybe look maybe the videos that I've seen maybe they're only being shot when you know when when all the boxes are on on a break and they're not training properly and they're not deep down in training camp maybe he knows when it's time to to stop the jokes but it'll be interesting because the Brandon Rios that we've seen turn up to his last few fights just hasn't been the Brandon Rios of old or is he just plain and simply past his best and Maidana is he past his best you you just don't know I'm not really going to knock Robert Garcia for this because actually the guy himself is a really really good guy of course his brother's on the intro as soon as the show starts he says hi I'm Mikey Garcia that's his brother so we're not going to knock him here a lot of respect to Robert Garcia um I think that's really it for part two I think it's now time to welcome on our second guest okay now it's time for our second guest and of course there was one fight that we didn't mention on the undercard of George Groves. The reason why we didn't mention it is because the man's here on our show right now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Ben Hall. Ben, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, mate. Thank you for having me. You no problem. Yeah, we're all good. We're all good. Um, I just wanted to say, of course, you've only boxed in two venues in your eight contests. That's York Hall and the O2 Arena. You're now going to be fighting at the Copper Box on Saturday. What does it mean to you to be boxing on the undercard of George Groves, Ben? Oh, it's massive, you know, and that's a good point you said there. I didn't, I didn't really know if I wanted to hide that given into venues. But yeah, um, it's, it's good to explore different venues, you know, put some put some profile and uh, get my face out there more, more public. And uh, George Groves is, uh, you know what I mean, I think he's one of most people's uh, top fighters in the country. So it's an absolute honour and privilege to be on the same show as him. And uh, I mean, so one day I hope I can be in a position he's in. Have you ever been to that arena before, or even just as a fan or, or to look at it at all? I haven't. No, I've watched it on uh, on the TV. I think I believe it was on. It was uh, the Amateur Championship. Yeah. I had a little look at it then, but I haven't actually been there yet. I think I'll have a look at it tomorrow. I've got a little press conference to go to, and I think I'll have a little nose up there if I can. Yeah, no, it is a nice, cosy little venue. Actually, you should enjoy that. Um, now, of course, this is your. This been is there. Just, yeah, I've been there on a couple of occasions. Yeah. I think Derek Chisora yeah. fought there a couple of times. Tyson Fury fought there once. It's decent. Um, yeah. This is going to be your second 10-rounder. This is, of course, for the Southern right. Area title. Um, it's, it's, you've sort of moved on to 10 rounds pretty quickly, if you don't mind me saying. Do you like 10 rounds better than yeah. the fours and sixes and the eights? I do, yeah. I actually skipped eight rounds. I went straight from six to 10. You know, actually, I do prefer it, you know, because um, just less pressure. You've got more time in there. You've got more time, more relaxed. If things go wrong, if things go great, you've got more time to go in a channel it to the right result 
So um, you just got to all the stress, you just to relax. And uh, I'm, I'm a big puncher myself, so over the 10 rounds, and uh, I mean, I don't think about it, it'll break them down the amount of, amount of, power, the amount of power, I've, power I've got. And I'm also a good body puncher, so I think I'll break things down over the So, so yeah, I, I do prefer it. That's something I just wanted to touch on. Um, you know, saying that you're a big puncher, you've got the one KO in your record. I just wanted to say, because yeah. um, a lot of people, you know, people turn pro and the fans want knockouts. And then if you get if you get them out of there too quick, then you need rounds. You seem to sort of be going at your own pace and one that you're not you're not really looking to impress anybody. You're just out there getting the rounds in, doing the smart thing, and probably saving the impressing to the big fights. Exactly right. You know, I, I don't go out there to impress anyone. Well, well I've got impressed with myself and my team. You know, so I don't worry about pleasing the crowd. But um, in, in, the, in respect to my power, you know, if you, if you look at the the record, I've had six more fans in my in my eight fights. So it just shows I need to I need to work my finishing game slightly. Uh, it's, it's a bit hard when you get in and on, you've hurt people, and they go and then when you find there's a bit less opposition, you go into survival mode. But I think in fighters like my last opponent, uh, Austin Jolly. I had him hurt and that, and I landed a good shot. He was there to win. And also with Chris Hadjadur, he's going to be there to win. He's going to be fighting with me. And I, uh, I believe I'll catch him and I believe I'll, I will take him out. Absolutely. He's going to be there to win. Yeah, that's the main thing. Yeah, that's what I want. I'm a good counter puncher. So I make people need to make people pay. And if they're coming to fight and difficult on me and have a go, it's going to my own. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's the right mentality to have. Um, of course, you're at 154 at the minute. Um is this yeah. a weight that you're looking to stay at or will you be moving up in the near future? Um, it's hard to say. I'm 22 years old, so I'm young, I'm maturing, just getting bigger and stronger all the time. But uh, if you were to ask me that question before my last fight, I probably would have said I'll, be, I'll probably move up in a couple of years. But um, at the time, man, I've made the weight terrific. You know, I've had a trip weighing today, just weighed in 11 2. So I'm there and only if on the weight now. I'm just, I'm just, so, just learning as I'm going on and learning about my body learning about certain foods that work for me, what don't work for me. And uh, and, that, and because of that, I've, it just, my weight's much more better this time. And I think I'll be comfortable with light middle for a little while, yeah. Okay, brilliant. I'm going to myself for that weight, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I just wanted to touch on, what sort of boxers have you sparred with, Ben? Uh, I've, I've sparred hot fighters all around the world. Um, I've sparred, obviously, I've sparred John Ryder. I've sparred with, uh, I've sparred with Ted Friedman. I sparred with a couple of other uh, titles I sparred with. There's a fighter from Marbella. He went 11 rounds Martinez at world title level. I sparred with him a few times. Um, who else have I sparred with? I sparred with uh, Chris Hazardua on fighting, but not for the fifth camp, but I sparred with him. It's kind of surprising. I couldn't even, ugh, couldn't even say it's loads. Um, Aaron Morgan I sparred with was a good fighter. Ugh, I couldn't even say it's loads. Loads of fighters. I've just sort of lost camp. I've just sparred at a high level. You know, I've, sort of, I've been in a world-class level in sparring, but obviously it's obviously a lot different on, on the on the night and things like that. But, you know, I've got I've gained experience from fighting uh, sparring to top, top level fighters, and I've learned from them. And now I've moulded my moulded bit. I picked up a little bit of one. I've moulded into my little spar. Definitely. Um... I just wanted to touch on John Ryder. He's got a sort of tough fight. I mean, he fights Sergei Kamitsky. Of course, Kamitsky's record doesn't really look amazing, but we know what he can do. He's been over here a few times and knocked out prospects. How do you see uh, his fight going with John Ryder? Yeah, well, me and John have done hundreds of rounds together. I've been all the time, so I know John is like that. You know? And uh, I've sparred him you know, a long time ago, and I've sparred him until now. And I'm not just saying it, but um, right now, as sharp as I've ever seen him, he's much smaller, he's more on the ball, 
and I really think he's, gonna, he's done he's done different things with his diet and that and that. And I just really think he's going to be the best strong rider. If it is a hard fight, you know what I mean? Not the first on our fight, but it's a, it's a fight John is capable of winning. I know, I know they've got a game plan to, to stick to, and I think it's a boost to that. I think John's going to get the win and look impressive, so I'm doing so. We all hope so, for sure. Um, in your opinion, yeah. is Liam Smith the top boy at 154 in our country at the moment? Uh, yes, I think he is. I, I do like Liam Smith. I think he's a good fighter. I mean, it's brilliant. The, the world title is over here, so it's, it's great motivation for me one day to get, you know what I mean, to, you know, to, get, to get onto that. But yeah, I do rate Liam Smith. I think he's, he's probably the top fighter. Who else is good? Alice Patterson's a pretty good fighter we just saw recently. And Liam Williams, the British champion. I think they're the, they're the, they're the really good names. There's a few other good prospects up and coming as well now, but they're, they're the three, uh, definitely they're the two, the two big names. I'd probably say Liam Williams and uh, Liam Smith. The two Liams. And something else I wanted to touch on, I've seen recently on Twitter that the two Bennies have met up. I see that you've done a few things with Benny Banks, the rapper. How did that come about? Yeah, yeah, that's quite funny. That's too random on this. Um, my manager in training, Peter Sims, he, he knows quite a few people, and uh, he's, he's Benny Banks' management. Uh, got in contact with Peter. They're looking for a boxer to to, to to part in his new music video coming up. He's got a new track coming out, which is which is pretty good. And they they asked me to do a lot of pads in that while doing so. But there's a few other players involved as well, like Lucian Reed, um, Craig Richards. And, and uh, I think Tony Converse is involved in it as well, but there was just quite a big thing of me in there doing pads and things like that. So it's good publicity for me, really. And many uh, thanks seemed like a right nice kid. He's right down to earth. And um, young is a pleasure to work with someone who's, uh, who's got the sense of motivation with me to do well in life. Now, the last thing I'm going to ask you before I let you go, Ben, and uh, thank you yep. very much for giving, giving me a bit of your time so close to the fight. The last thing I'm going to ask you is... In your, if it was down to you, which fantasy fight, of course, when I say fantasy, I mean realistic as well. I mean a fight that could take yeah. place in 2016. Any, you know, any anyone, whether it's Mayweather Khan, whether it's Kelbrook Amir, Amir Khan, whether it's Tyson Fury, Klitschko too. What is, what is the fight, any division that you'd like to see this year? Um, I think that would be Taylor Alvarez and Golovkin. I think they're the two, the two. Probably the best pound for pound fighters out there today. I think both from a phenomenal power. Fully Golovkin, fully the bigger puncher. But Saquon um, Alvarez is, 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 is a light middleweight, but he looks massive for the weight. So I don't think, think there'll be too much of a fight distance really. So I think it's good to be done. But obviously there's a there's a work, there's a politics to it and things like that. But that is a dream fight for me to watch. You know, it's a far wide. That's exactly what I love to fight. Uh, our dream to fight like distance. They're, they're real fighters. They come to fight, and they've, and they've got the skills. We decided to come with it. When you said that, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. Who do you think would win that fight, Ben? <laughs> um, good question. Uh, before I watched the Canelo Alvarez and Miguel Carter fight, I pretty lean towards Golovkin. I think he's punched too hard, but Canelo Alvarez just gets better and better. We need a young fire. He keeps getting better and better. And uh, the last thing he could be him, uh, I don't know. I think I pretty lean towards Golovkin. I think Golovkin can be in that position. I think it would be a good fight up until that, up until that point, yeah. Okay, excellent stuff. Okay, Ben, well, I wish you the absolute best of luck on Saturday. I should be there, so I may see you just before the fight or so. And, uh, yeah, I hope that you remain unbeaten and get a good win. Brilliant. Thank you very much, mate. Appreciate your time. No problem. We speak to you soon. Bye, mate. Thank you.
Okay, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on episode 17 of the Box Heart Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. Big thank you to our guests this week, of course, Ben Hall and, of course, Jimmy Mac Jr. Please follow, please retweet, please share, please like, and we will be back next week with another buster of a show. Thank you very much.